Assalamu alaikum. Hotep. Shalom. I want to welcome all to another area of Conscious Vibes Radio, of course. I am your host, Raniel Ilbay. Um, today's subject is going to be 711 to 1492, a lesson for the Moors. And, of course, we have um, as a, a special guest a um, a friend of the show, Emir Tashirid Bey, uh, coming on live with us um, today also. We have someone calling in. Let me make sure there's no issue. Hold on one second. What about the... Um... I, I sent out the insight. I shared it on my Facebook. The um conscious vibe. Okay, that must be an accident. So, before we get into the show, uh, I want to make a couple of announcements as we normally do. As a reminder, we have the study classes that are going on in the Sacramento territory every other Saturday. And if you want to get on the mailing list for the class, you can email me at Northgate Bay, Northgate Bay, B-E-Y, of course, at gmail.com. Those classes happen at um, every other Saturday at 3.30 uh, to 5.30. Those dates will be moving. Uh, but for now, they um, or every other Saturday from 3.30 to 5.30. Um, I forgot the full address, but it's on Atua off of 12th Avenue if you're in the, in the area. We also have the study class that goes on every Thursday uh, in the Oakland, San Francisco territories, um, and that's at 3100 Telegraph at Samuel Merritt University. Right now, for those classes, if you're not in the area, uh, we have made it a live broadcast. Uh, we just finished up the uh, study of the Quran, um, uh, Circle 7. Now we're Right now, we're dealing with the layout of the Constitution for the United States uh, of America. We'll be finishing that, that up, I think, in three weeks. And then we'll be moving into laying out a proper foundation of understanding for the beginning and the origins of the Moore's Divine National Movement. And I think after that, we'll go into uh, bringing a better understanding of treaty law. Um, and I forgot what comes after that. So uh, those classes you can catch as a live broadcast every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that's 9 p.m. Central, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. And I, that's on YouTube. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel at Moab, Moab Bay. And uh, subscribe, subscribe to that channel, and you will get a notification when the show go or when the class goes live every Thursday. Okay. Now let's go ahead and jump into the subject. Uh, we're going to bring the Amir on um, here in just a second before um, he goes in to the information pertaining to 7-Eleven. What I want to do is make a couple of different concept corrections. I want everyone to 
uh, open your mind up to the information, but we also want to make sure that you have the right foundation for what we're going into. When you're listening to the commonly you hear most scholars or so-called scholars teaching you that the Moors went into uh, Europe in 711. And in order to really understand and get the lessons out, we must correct that concept. The Moors did not go in to Europe starting in 711. And if we don't understand that, then we're going to miss the whole, all of the lessons that are in this information. It is a fact that the Moors were in what, what will be called Europe or New Albania, um, New Albion, Europa, uh, and the different parts in Andalusia prior to 711. That you had Moors, when you're speaking of the different uh, north and south regions of the island of Ireland, the Moors were there. Caesar, in fact, spoke of the people that he came into contact and conflict with as being dark and swarthy people. You also have the different um, tribes and clans in what would be Slovakia or Russia that were also ruled by more at certain given times prior to 711 also. You're going to look at the very fact that the name Europe, Europe is derived from the uh, mythological goddess as it would be called Europa. Uh, you're going to look at Kenneth the Dove as being one of the uh, kings that was in Ireland. Also pay attention to the story of St. Patrick's Day, dealing with what they will call the snake people who were in fact what is uh, called the Pygmies, being a part of Ireland. You had a lot of wars that were going on prior to 711 that were determining the landscape and the rulership of Europe. And in fact, when the Dark Ages hit, there were certain Moorish empires that were still in place um, and where Moors were in rulership. You had a lot of places where lots of amalgamation had already taken place based on a lot of those wars, um, and Moors, in fact, had already been gone, had gone in and started to attempt to civilize certain parts of the Roman or the Red Man or Germanic tribes. So what we are, what most are terming or calling or saying the Moors went into Spain in 711, more correctly would be stated as the Muslim or Mohammedan Moors went in at seven and seven eleven. We had already had many empires prior to that. 
So a lot of the, again, a lot of the blood lines that were already running through there and rulership, even when we're speaking of the, uh, the church, the early church, a lot of your hierarchy, your popes, bishops, uh, archbishops, and all of those, a lot of them were Moors. So correct, correct those terms so that you can understand exactly what was taking place, even when you're speaking of someone being Spanish. Understand that a Spaniard is not an original Germanic tribe. A Spaniard is an amalgamated individual. When you think of an Irish person, an Irish person is not an original Germanic tribe. Those are amalgamated people. They are the project of wars that were taking place for rulership of northern and the southern parts of the island of Ireland. And so they have the red or ruddy hair. They'll have the, the kinky hair or the curly hair based off of that. So, you again, you hear even the, sur, you hear the surname of MacDougall or McDouglas, Maury, those are all based off of the Moorish heritage that predates 711. So um, with that, I'll go ahead and bring the Amir in. Um, Amir Todd, uh, are you there? Can you hear me? Islam, good brother. How's it going? It's, oh, all is well. How are you today? Oh, fine, good brother. How's the family and how's all the Moors on the West Coast? Everybody is delightful. Will do. Yeah, everyone is um everyone is delightful. Everyone is good. Uh yes. You you can go ahead and bounce right on in. Yes, I'm gonna bring a a few points uh of reference to the people in general so that we can start laying some proper concepts because as you know, uh, proper placement of names, attributes and the associated cosmological cultures of the ancient natural peoples, you know, putting, placing them in proper time and geographical context requires constant logistical and etymological analysis. And these uh, logistical points are referenced, many of which you have made uh, just uh, in your introduction, referenced uh, as important due to the uh, irrefutable distortions, misrepresentations, omissions, and information suppression methodologies adopted by the Inquisitionists and their descendant European colonial operations, particularly those projected against the Asiatic Africans, and most specifically the foresaid Inquisition operations were and are directed against the Moors, and particularly those descendants in the Western Hemisphere from whence the heartland of the empire is established in fact. And another point is, is that people need to know that the Moors were in the area called Castile and Argon, which later, you know, which were uh, uh, later ruled by monarchs, um, the Catholic monarchs, um, um, Ferdinand and, um, um, let me, let me see, I want to make sure that, that, um, that the time period is, is really understood. Aragon and Castile, Castile, which were merged uh, later, were called Spain, so it's kind mm -hmm. of we have to kind of look at it from an etymological, truthful perspective. 
what is called Spain wasn't really called Spain until after the defeat of the Moors. And, and I think a lot of times when historians are mentioning this period of time, they'll say, you know, the Moors in Spain, um, as if Moors went into Spain, and that's kind of incorrect because the area was not called Spain until after uh, 1492, mm-hmm. the defeat of the Emirates of, uh, of, of uh, pardon me, of Granada, the Emirate of Granada, and this is dealing with all the Emirs of all the, all, all the uh, previous times and dynasties, etc. And so I think a lot of times when historians are writing about that area, um, they will uh, say Spain, uh, avoiding the historical background of Aragon and Castile and the fact of the area being Andalusia, etc., because it uh, serves the reconstructed history of the, particularly mm-hmm. the Europe who are operating in the Western Hemisphere as to how they present that history in order to write themselves in as more the dominant factor in that area. And so um, keep in mind while we're talking about uh, Spain, that area, and the uh, fall of the Emirate uh, of Granada, in 1492, uh, keep in mind that Spain attached to that area, actually, later into the uh, 1600s, actually. And so you're dealing with, actually, this, this area being called Spain, actually, almost 200 years after the, the, the Emirate of Granada fell. And so when they're making reference to the history, they will attach Spain to it, but understand that's actually Andalusia, and um, as far as the European uh, monarchs operating in that area, you would call Aragon and, and Castile. And another point that must be made reference is that the Moors were in, uh, um, dominant in that area even over a thousand, a thousand, over a thousand years B.C. So people need to know that too. So uh, mm-hmm. and, and it goes that now you're dealing with the ancient um, um, different tribes of the Moors, uh, including uh, Phoenicians, etc. Um, mm-hmm. And another point that we want to make so that people are not so confused by the history and the way it's structured and presented to them in contemporary times is that even when they're reading in history books, when they're looking, uh, or when a lot of European uh, historians and scholars will write about um, the uh, the Moorish um, Emirate in um, in the uh, major uh, castle area, Granada, that that territory. They will um, not necessarily delude um, to the fact of the Moors having been there actually, you know, thousands of years before. And uh, uh, for the sake of reconstructed history. They'll talk about 7-Eleven and uh, reference points like that, even the, when they're making reference of the Battle of Tours near Poitiers, France, later with um, um, Charles um, Martel, referred to as a hammer, you know, Char- related to Charlemagne, etc. And even with the, the so-called defeat of the Moors in that particular war. But again... Uh, so keep that in mind. And another thing when they refer to the uh, so-called, in some of the scholarship, they'll call 
call the Moors Arabs. Now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, a, a pedigree misrepresentation, when they're talking Arabs, they're talking loosely um, the different tribes of the Canaanite Moabite tribes, which would include the Persians, etc., um, Chaldeans, um, Phoenicians, uh, Al Moroccans, what they call Moor, you know, Moroccans, um, Moors, short for Moors. And keep in mind also, collectively, historians and uh, archaeologists before European reconstructed history, particularly coming from North America, all the Asiatic African peoples were referred to in history as Moors, Moroccans. And that's, that's a fact. Um, and you'll see the uh, emphasis placed on the different um, clan areas or what you call subdivisions of the ancient empires being more specific to different territories uh, later in the archaeological dispensations, etc., for scholars, etc. Uh, uh, and so I also... Uh, want to relate etymologically the proper concepts so that people don't take Arab out of concept, out of context, as it's commonly presented in these days. Because actually, Arab actually comes from the uh, ancient uh, Persic and also um, um, from the ancient world. It's actually more than actually more than one word put together. Because uh, um, Arabs essentially means um, sort of like the master race or men of the master race or men of high position. That's its original meaning. And it actually comes from Arabah or A-R-A-B-A-H, which is Persia, Persian, etc. And um, from Arabi, which is A-R-I-B-I, which itself is Persian, which means men of the master race, or Arab, uh, men of high position. That's Assyrian. Um, and so Arabi, Araba, it is together Arab, loosely used, but it actually means men of master race or men of high position. And so that, that, that uh, word or phrase was, uh, in a sense, uh, adopted later as if it's an identity when it actually is a description of the Asiatic African peoples, uh, which would include the Moors, Persians, uh, Phoenicians, ETC, that governed that area, and including uh, the ancient um, dynasties, Mauryan dynasties, actually from Hindustan, which we call India, too. So people really need to know that history because Arab is used out of context um, today in this, in this day, and so most of the time the people look at Arab as being the, um, the hybrid mix of the Europeans and the Moors that, that usually are represented in history uh, in contemporary times, and that's their image. But they must know that that's really not a pedigree identity name. It originates as a designation of their uh, knowledge and culture status, being um, so-called the master race or men of mm-hmm. high position. And matter of, a matter of fact, it is that established culture in Europe uh, from the Moors uh, in that area uh, for over a thousand years, which was adopted by Adolf Hitler uh, by studying the ancient uh, cultures, 
cosmological cultures and uh, the sciences of the ancient ones, including um, the uh, four Vedas, etc., in uh, the Mauryan, Nanda, and Gupta dynasties of ancient uh, Hindustan, etc., um, where they've adopted that, that the idea of being the so-called uh, master race. That didn't originate with the Germans. That originated with the designation of the mastery of culture of the Moors in that whole area. So that must be put into uh, proper context. This is another reason why uh, we always encourage people to go back to the principles of proper scholarship and use mm-hmm. uh, properly etymological analysis. And um, mm-hmm. that, that also can be uh, deciphered in um, any of your older etymological books on the English language. So that's a reminder. So keep in mind, mm-hmm. so ma- uh, um, monarchs of Castile and Aragon were merged after the conquest of the Emirates of, of Granada in 1492, and afterwards and later uh, in scholarship, um, Spain is designated for that area. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, for the moment, I'll, I'll yield the floor to you, Grand Sheik. Islam. Islam. So the other uh, thing, anthropologically, the, the two, there's a couple of ways that um, the Germanic tribes at that time, or even from anthropologic studies, anthropological studies today, they will designate the different grades of peoples. You're going to have what's called the Xenocroy, uh, and that's X A N X A N T H O T H R O I Xenocroy. X A N T H O T H R O I. Now, they're going to, when you study that word, they're going to take you back to um, some of the original uh, Caucasian or the original blonde-haired, blue-eyed tribes. And when you get into what they're going to designate as the melancholy, melancholy, okay, then they're going to tell you about the... um, the more swarthy or melanated people there with alkaline features. And they're going to have the brown, the brown hair or the tawny hair. Uh, they're going to have the dark features. And they're going to uh, separate themselves. Now, of course, uh, melanocroy would be some of the amalgamated tribes that were produced based on the civilization attempts and the effects of the Moors there thousands of years prior. You're going to hear about um, different lands, uh, one being, um, I think it's Hebrew. And they're going to tell you those people were melancholy. And you trace back that lineage of the people, and then that's going to take you back to um, the Aboriginal Moorish heritage there. They'll use words, of course, to designate um, the Moorish people, such as uh, dub, D-U-D-H, 
Again, that's where you'll hear them speak about Kenneth the Dove. Uh, you'll hear about the original uh, gifts. And then they'll also designate those of people of who are very swarthy. Now, for those who don't know or may not have uh, gotten into the research that heavy yet, swarthy is a designation uh, in the Germanic languages for someone who is dark or connotatively uh, how the word black is used and came connotatively with it. It was swarthy or dubbed. Yes. And then, so, and then Tawny, Tawny, T-A-W-N-Y, is going to designate those who are of more of a, uh, a browner complexion. And so you're going to have these different designations that you have to pay attention to. And, again, you want to get into studying um, the wars that were taking place for the island of Ireland. And then understand that you have New Albion, which is what you're going to uh, be designated as Germany, which is the place that we took them to when we brought them over from Patagonia. And that's a subject for another time, um, but those are just little keys of, for study that you can do some backtracking. Because we want to get out of using the term, the Moors went into Spain in 7-Eleven because that, that can consistently and continually will distort the history and will miss the lesson, which is what we're going to go into here shortly. Because we want to find out what are some of the key lessons that we need to take. How did the Moors fall in 1492? What, what, what was going on there? What are some of the lessons? And are they being repeated today? So we have to know that even when we're speaking of, um, you know, uh, the the kingdoms of Aragon and Castile, when we're speaking of the Dark Ages, the Moors were in some of these territories during this time. So we need to learn, people need to learn that history because there's lessons there. When we're speaking of the church, again, you have to remember that the Moors were a part of the church at this time. This was not all Germanic tribes or the, the Roman or the Red Men. It was not the whole Catholic church at the time. Yeah. Most of your scholarship even coming from that. Can I interject? Islam, indeed. Can I interject? And, that, and that's important. Don't lose your thought, please. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's important for people to understand that church actually is Germanic, but it actually means the great circle. It, the church originally gave mm-hmm. reference to the zodiac, which is demonstrated mm-hmm. with the cross with the circle around it, which is actually a, a morphed, a morphed or what you call a reduced symbol of actually the great circle of the zodiac. That must be understood and put in context because most of the time when you mention church, people are thinking about the monolithic uh, and 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 um, anthropomorphic concepts that was agreed upon by the 
uh, Bishop of the Ninth uh, of the Nicene Council and present it to the world mm-hmm. today. And your view as soon as you say church. But when you go when you go into that period of time and you say church, you're actually talking cosmology, astrology, and everybody needs to know mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I just mm-hmm. want to interject, please, peace. Islam, indeed. And so when we're looking at that time period, remember that the setup, the setup of the the church at that time was through the spiritual teachings that were acquired from the Moors earlier. And in fact, most of your hierarchy of the early church deal with Gnostic principles. And so it was through this fall and relinquishing of our ancient Gnostic principles that we'll start to see parts of their Germanic or what we'll call or term Europe today, where we'll start to see the Dark Ages ensue. Once we began to relinquish the knowledge and no longer use it for the common good, because remember, these are no the the Roman or the red man or nomadic tribes in their early parts of them coming coming down. They're coming down to be civilized themselves. And so as they're coming in and coming into different areas, we're already there. And we're completely civilized, socialized, structured. And it was the relinquishment of our ancient customs that allowed these different falls to take place. And us living certain parts of our karma that deal with those wars that began to take place all up and down that peninsula, understanding it's not a continent, it's a peninsula that is now marked as modern-day Europe. So stay in that focus. Do not look at it as we went in there in 7-Eleven. We have been there thousands of years. And you, you want to come on back in, Amir? Yes, sir. Islam, I yield the floor. Oh, all right. Now, uh, so keep in mind with Isabella um, and Ferdinand um, merging their kingdoms, and that's where you have Spain today. Now, it's important for people to understand uh, with the defeat of the Emirates, of Granada, you had um, as these these um, operations of Inquisition were going on, initiated actually later. Because keep in keep in mind, you have to go back to really understand the the uh, even the fall of the Emirate of Granada. It has to be uh, known um, much of the rulership of the Moors in Spain had much to do with what is later. Uh, in history to make those connections with uh, um, uh, the Aragonese and the Castilians uh, seeking uh, compensation, etc., 
from the Moors and even entering, coming uh, into the empire, uh, part of the empire of, the, of South Asia, which is now called uh, uh, Africa. Remember, in context, South Asia, now called Africa, and consider uh, Queen Dodo and Carthaginia, etc. Um, and this has much to do with the later um, colonization of uh, Tunis, Algeria, um, uh, Hikupta, Egypt, you know, etc., in all parts of, of north, uh, the north part of South Asia, or what you call North Africa today, uh, and uh, in the political realm of the conquest, uh, the conquest of the Moorish Empire will be demonstrated also in the uh, Berlin Conference of 1884-1885, Berlin, uh, with the dividing of uh, the empire in this process of conquest. So all of these things must be looked at in context and not as uh, what you would call vacuum history, because it's important uh, for you to have a knowledge of the past in order to understand the politics of today, even uh, our suppression um, that we're experiencing even to this day that is miscalculated as and miscategorized as racism and prejudice, etc., which is actually a continuation of the Inquisition against the Moors that has been designated in history by scholars as the Spanish Inquisition, which would be more properly referred to as the Aragonese and Castilian Inquisition against the Moors, with emergence and a reconstruction of that period under the under the uh, subtitle Spain, etc., which is which should be designated properly more contemporary for historical purposes, but in fact um, prior it doesn't exist in a sense. So when even when you're talking about Moorish Latin, uh, being get designated. Uh, by historians as Spanish, it really there is no really truthfully no such thing as language called Spanish. Although we know connotatively, they have accepted that as a, as a political reality. It really isn't. Uh, what you have is Moorish Latin, and um, and with aspects of Aragonese and Castile, etc., um, European uh, interjections. But basically, it's Moorish Latin. So that's important for people to understand it too. So even um, the um, the operations of the um, the trick trick that was done even in North America with creating what they shall say shell shell corporations uh, to undermine the final agreement of even operations after the European uh, come to North America. Both, uh, um, by um, in what you call slave operations, which originally was Europeans and not uh, actually Moors. The tag uh, slave actually comes from Slovakia and dealt mm-hmm. mostly with hybrid Europeans that were brought to um, to Amarok or America by Moors actually, who where the real designation mm-hmm. of slave was from, and then the switchover after the defeat of the Emirates, et cetera, uh, where the designation slave was placed upon the Moors who were conquered by Europeans, 
but that's only a connotative application. All these things must be important so that we decipher the history more properly because very often by not really doing an, an, an etymological analysis, we often apply wrongfully even some of the different aspects of what we designate contemporarily as slavery, designating it only to people of Moorish descent. When that is not true, it has its origin with Europeans who were, def who were uh, uh, under the authority of the monarchs, pardon me, of the uh, Emirates of Granada, including a lot of the constructions of contemporary um, what you would call nation states that were actually part of the Moorish Empire that is designated as uh, British Morocco, Spanish Morocco, France, French Morocco, etc. You'll hear those terms used uh, in reference to the conquest of South Asia by the Europeans uh, in today, and they'll just say conquest of, uh, of Northwest Africa, etc. And so when you're looking at the Berlin Conference, put in context uh, the interconnectivity pre-existing between all the land masses of the world. Do not look at them as separate um, or far distant in the concepts that is uh, given in reconstructed history because as people are looking at this, when they're thinking uh, Spain, they're thinking Andal not even Andalusia, they're thinking of Aragon and Castile, and actually absent in their mind even the Louisiana territories in North America uh, coming from the Gulf of Mexico even up onto Canaan land or Canada. And so when you're looking at all of these dynamics and operations, you're, lo you're actually looking on both sides of the water. And when this history is presented, that's not included by the European operators. For, uh, and this is due to these two policies. And keep in mind, and so uh, do the research, um, listeners, so that you'll understand what I'm saying to you. Uh, indexus Lobrero Nibrorum uh, Expurgatorius and Indexus Prohibitorum. And these are two operative um, historical, linguistic, and social operations that's been in place since the uh, fall of the Emirates of Granada. Uh, by the Roman uh, Catholic Church via the Pope of Rome and the Bishopric of Rome. And this is loosely referred to by people uh, who have some knowledge of the operations, the political, social, engineering operations. They'll loosely refer to it as the great Christian book burnings. But what it really is, Indexus Librorum Expurgatorius and Indexus Prohibitorum. And this is where they burned books they uh, systematically in all the different territories across the, the world. And this, um, this um, expedition uh, by the uh, Inquisitionists, uh, the focused operations is over 300 years. Although it never ended, the focused uh, operations is over 300 years. And this is where they burned books. This is where they took much uh, of the uh, libraries of, of the Moorish Empire including in uh, north, uh, north area of South Asia, um, Luxor, um, and sacked the libraries and took much of the um, ancient uh, scholarly works 
and they actually have chambers beneath the Vatican where a lot of that work exists even to this day and kept from the outside world. Uh, what they could not capture, what they could not possess, they burned. Um, uh, what they did control and don't have in their uh, uh, chamber archives are maintained in different secret organizations and orders called Illuminati, um, your highest degrees of masonry, uh, Knights Templars, etc., uh, which is actually the uh, advanced cultures and sciences and disciplines of the Moors that ran the world, and all the scholars, archaeologists, historians, the world over, have affirmed that the untold stagnation and injuries uh, imposed upon civilization to the tune of over 500 years backward is due to the fall of the Moors, uh, Moors Emirates, um, in Granada, Spain. So it is agreed by all the scholars all around the world that the world was set back over 500 years. So this is again mm. why even to this day, when you when um, references made to Moorish science, you see people get all, all all nervous, and other other people with less than honorable intentions, even amongst your own, um, try to pretend that um, they don't know what you're talking about, or if you're thinking you're talking some kind of religious doctrine, etc., that somebody made up, anything to divert you from this real history because it will tie you back to the illustrious history of your ancient mothers and fathers, and you'll find that the world was actually more, far more advanced than they're telling you even to this day. You will find, and what they don't want the people to know, is that uh, what, you, what we're using right now are cell phones, is over a thousand years old, as an example. Computers are thousands of years old. All of these things that they don't want you to know, and this is why a lot of the uh, ancient disciplines are not studied. And so, because the world actually fell behind after the Inquisition um, operations, they have to present things in context as they begin to understand these things, as if some of these things that you use today are actually modern inventions as they've been reintroduced into society when actually they're ancient. And that's an honest fact, including the fact that even uh, watches um, that were used in the ancient world had multiple dials, even up to the point of measuring the orbital uh, processes of, uh, uh, mac of uh, even up to 19 planets, less more just dealing with the sun and uh, the movement of the moon that we use on our um, watches that we have today. That's just an interjection to give you a concept uh, when they're talking about the world being set back over 500 years. They'll admit to that and, and then not expose a lot of the advanced technology that we're talking about uh, today, including the fact that um, the ancient juntas, or what you call the pyramids, um, were not burial chambers. They were actually energy centers and actually... Um, uh, dealt with as also at markers for space travel, etc., and dealing with noble points on the earth. And also that the ancient Hikupta uh, dynasties, which they're called Egyptian dynasties, actually um, used electricity um, to light up um, the ancient um, streets of the, of the uh, cities. And that's ancient. That's not even... That's not even what you call old. That's ancient beyond ancient. So I just wanted to throw that in, too, 
to put things in context. Mm-hmm. But again, again, the reason we're given uh, or dealing with this history is to kind of bring you up to snuff or up to date so that we can start being more effective in the restoration of our lost estate, which is being held by the Popes of Rome under what is known as the Global World Trust since the fall of the Emirates of Granada, and people need to know that too. Uh, and this is why uh, even contemporarily in these days uh, where you see uh, when you do the research in, into the, the shell corporations that they created in these modern times to cover up the overthrow of the United States Republic, etc., why even the birth certificates and the marriage certificates all are actually bank bonds for the Pope's of Rome under the Spanish Inquisition, including the, um, the Excator's Chamber of Operations of the Tithing Tax for the Romans uh, uh, enforced by the uh, Inquisition operators, corporately known as the uh, IRS today. And so when people even look at the IRS today, most of the people do not reflect uh, in their mind Thomas D. Torquemada or even the Inquisition operations after the fall of the Emirates of Granada. And so when they're looking at the IRS, they're not, they don't even recognize that that's a tribute actually to the Inquisition operations operating right today. Yield the floor. Here's mine. So we're going to um, bring in callers uh, on the second hour because we want to get through <laughs> some information. So um, I, see, I see you on the board. Um, but we're going to do that in the second hour. So go ahead and you can start getting in line to get the questions answered uh, by pushing one now, um, but we will start that in the second hour. Now, with the, with the Moors, uh, understand that what is modernly, modernly designated as the continent of Africa was not designated such um, in its early stages. It was only the first, the, the northern tip that would now be uh, Algiers, um, Morocco, and I'm missing the other one. Um, Tunis. 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 Tunis, yeah, and Hikupta, uh, uh, which we call Egypt. Mm-hmm. So you can look at the book, um, Stolen Legacy. Where you have um, the wonderful brother George G. M. James will tell you that the Moors from that northern tip that he's speaking about in his book were the designated keepers of the light of Ikuta, meaning that they were the, the torchbearers for this light, and that becomes important. Not only for our discussion, but for when you're dealing with individuals who want to separate us and not understand that our legacy ties all together. Now, the ancient studies of Islam, and this is also going to give you the keys as to why the Prophet brought Islamism, which is the ancient science of cosmology, cosmogony. Mathematics, vibration, and and those ancient sciences. These are the same sciences. Sciences when you're speaking of Ikuta, 
when you're dealing with the personifications of nature within um, Mayat or uh, Ra or Amun, uh, Asa, Aset, Nu, Nut, those reasons are all the same. And this is all going to trace back to the original study of eschatology. Now, bringing it back up forward, with the Moors being the carriers of the light, as, as Ecuptos fell and the light became more dim from invasion, the Moors continued to be the torchbearers and the lightbearers all around the earth. And I'm speaking specifically of particular Moors, okay, for this discussion only. So the, the, the Islamic or the Muslim Moors, as they will be referred to today, carried that same light into Europa and Andalusia in order to bring back the ancient concept of civilization to that sphere. And so when we're looking at the ancient practice of Islam that was brought in in 711, it does not necessarily have the same context as the Islamic faith of today. So you're talking about two different spheres. Remembering that the Moors started the, the first university, the University of Salamanca, uh, universities in, in uh, the other universities in Cordova brought back this information. You had Zeria who uh, brought in uh, instrumentation, and uh, I mean Zeria brought in all types of things. Um, that's a, a great more to study. But this is what Islam was that was brought in. We're not speaking about the clubism. We're speaking about the ancient sciences that came in to Andalusia. What I also want you to note is that when Tariq, and understanding Tariq um, and, and Gibraltar, um, the Gibraltar means Tariq in Arabic. So the prudential, prudential rock. That's the rock of Gibraltar. So, again, they're putting your heritage in your face. Now, when Tariq, um, Tariq Ibn Riyadh went in to Andalusia, there was also some confusion among the Moors at that time. And many won't disclose this part because again as the Emir was pointing out most of your contextual information is really going to give you the truth about what was going on is being distorted and erased but you will find some scholars who have integrity that will um, give you a lot of the information so with there being um Different quarrels going on You're going to find that um, Tariq In his military campaign Also Had quarrels with different Factions Of the Berbers That were accompanying him 
you'll even find that what the, um, um, the certain areas of Andalusia were settled, that the ways of land were separated amongst the different clans and the tribes that all fought together. Because of these rifts, some were giving less fertile ground uh, than others. And this is important to know because we, we're focusing on what are these lessons. How do you go from um, being the bearers of the light to falling in 1492? What were we doing over there that allowed us to fall? Because what we will find is that we're bearing the same mentality and worse today. We're playing the same game in a lot of ways today, but worse. Because then we actually did fight with each other while we were maybe quarreling with each other. At least we were still going to different lands and fighting on the same team. Okay? So when once we go in there, you have the settling of the land and you have the division the divisions within our own sects at the time. And we're continuing to go down. We're continuing to go down to um, going down towards France and then that's gonna bring you to where we meet up uh with Charles the Hammer or who will be called Charles Mortel. In 732. Now, when you're dealing with European scholarship, in most cases they won't tell you the reason, the complete reason, why this is the most important battle uh, pretty much in their history. They will give you some key words as to why it is. They will use words such as if... um, if the Moors hadn't been stopped in, in the War of Poitiers, that all of Europe would have been under Muslim control. What they're really telling you is about an amalgamation process that would have been pushed all the way through Europe, through that peninsula. And that the Mortel army was the last possibility of them uniting together because, remember, prior to this, they had already been dealing with other Moors coming in. So when you're reading about the Vikings, although they're going to show you the distorted faces of who these people were, but the Vikings were originally the Vikings, V-I-C-K-I-N-G-S, Vikings, and those were Moors. Okay, you have to remember that we control the spice trade and all trades all around the world at this time. So when you hear about people bringing on the seas, that's us. When you hear about boat manufacturing, that's us. And they will tell you that part of the history where you'll see the word more has several different meanings. And all of the meanings associated with the word more or tying you back to our ancient history. So it'll mean um, deal with swamp or waterland to fasten a boat. They're, they're going to give you that word, and it's literally taking you back to all the things that we did, especially as sea seamen. 
see mercy. So the Vikings, uh, the visit gods, the, the fact, all these different uh, tribes, some being more, some, some being ventricoid, uh, had been going up and up and down the peninsula. So at this point, when the uh, Muslim Moors come in in 711 under uh, Tariq, Europe, the peninsula, is weak. When you get to 732, this is pretty much it for them. And so Martel began to grab all different um, manners of men who are of different trades and begins to train them in combat because he hears of uh, a word of spread of the Muslim Moors coming in. Long story short, um, we lose that particular war, which stopped us from moving further down the peninsula. What is happening is that if the Muslim Moors, who, of course, are swarthy and dove, and some being tawny, continue to move down the peninsula, then the amalgamation process that's actually been going on for over a thousand years has no chance of being able to be stopped. And so with it not being able to be stopped, what they're telling you when they're, when they're speaking of the Moors, um, all of Europe being under Muslim control, it really is what they're saying is that the Germanic tribes themselves would have not really been able to reproduce themselves, and so you have the wiping out of a, of a people, because at this point, because of dominance, yeah, mm-hmm. dominant genetics, yeah, and and so with them being genetic recessive, and us being genetic dominant, that it is a fact, and if you pay attention to politics today, this is also giving you the key as to what's going on in the world. Why do you have um, Today it's mainly financial segregation But that financial segregation Is dealing with an ancient problem Because it's dealing with power Yes And so with it dealing with power The Germanic woman When produced in the hybrid experimentation Was produced as a breeder herself and that's a point for another class or another show. However, when whoever is in power, there's going to be a shift of where she goes. And that's also going to lead you into the story, the true story of what the um, Moorish harems were for in Andalusia also. With that, I'll yield the floor. You can come on back in. Yes. Islam, and uh, and back to what the Grand Sheik was uh, just mentioning to you all, it is important to understand where you got to put this in context of the sectalism that was developing in Islam and why the Quran said there shall be no sectalism in Islam, and also you have to deal with the Nicene orders that e- evolve uh, with the operations 
of the the Roman uh, Catholic Church uh, dealing with um, the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed operations, which is the official name of the Catholic Church's adoptation of the Mauryan dynasty's Krishna uh, uh, principles of the activations of the pineal gland and the uh, spiritual glands in the body. Uh, the adaptations of the, that Nanda Gupta Mauryan dynasties of Hindustan or Sindhi, what you would call today India, etc., or, or of the um, of the Aryan um, principles, and you're dealing with Aries, i.e., of the great church or the great circle. This is where the Aryan heresy comes in with the Constantinian or the Nicene Council of 325, etc., with Constantine and his mother. Put that in context with the Quran saying there shall be no sectalism in Islam, and then put that in context with uh, the operations of the Renaissance, uh, which the Grand Sheikh was mentioning to you all. Um, this is where um, the Moors were bringing the Europeans out of the medieval or the dark period of their mentality and political operations into the modern world, etc., and that is called the Renaissance. And this is also why Nobel Ali, with the establishment of the old Canaanite temple and the restoration of the lost estate, references the uh, Renaissance, etc. And so when you're dealing with the scholarly or scholarship on going into that, you'll deal with the 12th, 13th century on up to the 16th century, and the Gnosis knowledge or the, the great circle knowledge, that's what comes about with the, the bishoprics of Rome debating what is called the Arian heresy and the keeping of Easter, which is actually the entry of the, of the East Gate of the great circle or the church or the zodiac, etc., i.e. Aries, which is designated from the, um, from the movement of the moon on the ancient Egyptian calendar, which posts itself as about March the 21st, etc., where the star is in the east, where you'll see the crescent of Cosmo or the crescent moon coming to the eastern skies in the northern hemisphere, and then you'll see uh, Venus, uh, mainly Venus, and then you'll see sometimes Jupiter in the low skies, etc., we'll call the day star on high, and it almost looks like it almost coming into the horn of, of the moon, and this is where you get the ancient symbol of Cosmo, that is used in ancient civilization on the earth, etc., all over the world, and is symbolically associated with Islam today, which the people refer to as the crescent and the star. Now, keep in mind, with the controversy that was going on with the uh, adaptation of the great circle, uh, the great zodiac circle, which is called in the Germanic tribes as the church, um, and understand the symbol of the uh, zodiac, which is the cross, the tile cross with the circle around it, is actually, that symbol is actually the church and not so much a building as people think it be. And so with the uh, anthropomorph, uh, anthropomorphic nature of the ancient world uh, in uh, expressing the forces and powers of the zodiac, etc., and the heavens, etc., into the cosmological culture, this is where um, the uh, forces and powers of, of nature, uh, also referred to the hermetic laws, etc., 
uh, were described um, uh, or thought of as ha- having human form or attributes and sometimes given the characteristic of non-human beings in, in the supernaturalism, etc. And this is where you see in your zodiac where you have all uh, the different constellations represented by figures of humans. Uh, example where you will see uh, Aquarius constellation represented as a man bearing a, a pitcher of water, you know, bringing in the uh, vernal equinox of the Aryan gate of the universe, etc., that you call Ishtarte, Ishtar, uh, Easter, all means the same thing, the entry of the spring season in the north gate, etc. Um, now, so when you deal with the anthropomorphic nature or symbolism, what has happened is that the uh, Catholics, uh, church, uh, uh, bishopric, uh, having meetings for the desire of controlling the people, uh, committed themselves by oath not to tell the anthropomorphic truth of the history of the ancient uh, powers of the universe represented in true religion. And this is where you get the personalities, uh, propagations, of all of the energies and powers and the cycles and the transits of the sun, etc., presented in dogmata presentments of what the people are calling religion today that contradicts the nature of the truth of the cosmological nature of Islam. And this is where you have much of the conflict that has uh, contaminated civilization and also created a lot of the divisions amongst the Moors, and particularly through the amalgamation with the Germanic tribes. And so you had more and more influence of the anthropomorphic uh, presentment of of religion as opposed to its cosmological foundation base and the explanation to the people of the anthropomorphic uh, characters that was presented in ancient Lemuria, ancient Hikupta, etc., that is described today as ancient Egypt, etc., and adopted by the rest of the world, etc., dealing with um, Ra, the, the rays of the sun, etc., the, the, uh, uh, Yahshua or Jesus actually being the son of God in the sky as opposed to a physical, you know, the physical man that's expressed to the people. And so logically that created conflicts of misunderstanding and divisions. And many of the Moors that started following after the idol god system set forth by the Roman Catholic Church enforced a lot of the schisms amongst the Moors, whereas Moorish science uh, uh, deals with the science of the universe and the studies of the universe and the paternity of the operation energies of the universe, loosely referred to father of the universe, etc., um, it comes in conflict because it's the anthropomorphic nature is not explained. And this is also where you deal today with the secret oath of the clergy to the popes of Rome mm-hmm. to maintain this secret. And that's why you see where the, uh, uh, as an example in the um, congressional records, where Article 3 of the secret treaty of Verona, where the real secret oath mm-hmm. of the clergy is to the pope and not to Jesus, it has much to do mm-hmm. with that anthropomorphic uh, truth not being revealed to the people and not explained. And this way they could hide the science from the people and then give them what they give today, which is dogmata. And therefore the pope or the bishopric, the clergy, can actually make themselves God over the people and operate 
and that's what they've been doing. And this has much to do with the divisions that's amongst the Moors that are manifest even mm-hmm. to this day. And also mm-hmm. why a lot of people don't understand Moorish science because they don't know the anthropomorphic nature uh, of the ancient ones for the purpose of teaching children. But that the people were actually, when they began to get a little older, were supposed to be told the anthropomorphic truth and then put their childish concepts away and go into the science. That's, again, uh, where you have difficulty with many Moors even today um, uh, that appear to be conflictive when you see, uh, say, as uh, people who are adeptus or people who are dealing with higher degrees of Islam going back to the state of mind of their ancient forefathers, they know of the anthropomorphic truth, and these will be generally referred to as great seal Moors, uh, and, but they're not to be separate, but appears to be distinguished from Moors that just deal with the creed, dogmata systems, etc., much of which has been contaminated by the adoption of the idol god systems of Rome, which the Prophet Noble Ali refers to uh, as a European psychology. So that's very important for people to understand that that has much to do with the divisions amongst the Moors past and present. Yield the floor. Mm-hmm. Islam, and I was going to bring that up, but, um, you know, there's nothing more that needs to be said about that. What you're seeing um, when we study in how we failed and what allowed us to be conquered is the same secularism that you see today. And if you, there's even an expansion of the subject, um, that the great brother Dr. John Henry Hart will give when he's speaking about some of the divisions that was going on and what it was about. He will term it that they, you had um, the Moors fighting one for the purity, the pure principles of Islam, and then you had one, some Moors who we're using it for um, certain types of game. And he'll, he'll go into explaining part of it, but don't stop your studies there. These are just different angles that the information can come to you, um, come to you at. Now, I'll go ahead. We've had a few callers uh, waiting patiently, so I'll go ahead and bring them in. Uh, we have 443 with the exchange 769, and it's called 443. With the exchange seven six nine, Islam. Islam, Islam, Islam. Uh, I am Hassan Ghazi Obey at Northwest of Mexum. How is my beloved family? Islam, good brother. All is well. Well, and prep with you and your family too. Yes, yes. It is. It is definitely um, a pleasure to be calling now. And just, just, I just wanted to give my energy. I won't say too much. Um, I will say some key things. Uh, a beloved Taj Tariq Bay, uh, for since the end of 2014, I have shut off <laughs> many of electronics, including the televisions, and have repeatedly, uh, literally, washed my brain by falling asleep to a lot of your videos, as well as being up to them during the day, which has allowed me almost past these uh, these past two years to um, actually be able to be what it is that you present every time you said it's this stuff isn't vague. 
when we really get it and understand it, it's not hard to explain or grasp or act upon. So I just wanted to just resonate that everything that you have put in the video for me to not believe, to go and research for myself so that I can know it, then be it, has been spot on 153%, and that's all I just wanted to bring to the table. Thank you so much for allowing you, both of you, allowing yourselves to be conduits uh, so that I'll be able to drink the water that you are, uh, that the mother of law is sending through you, uh, okay, so, so, so to speak, so that I can be able to um, be strong enough to then stand on you guys' shoulders because you definitely in my heart are the giants. And there's more as far as the MHHS uh, family and as well as the uh, Moore's Orders Around Table. Uh, like the whole the whole family out there, uh, Chain of Land Moors, as well as you out there near the Khalifa territory. Like you guys are who I've been suckling from, so to speak, these past two years. So, you, so I just wanted to just say thank you so much for allowing yourself to be the conduit so this water can flow. And I yield the floor. Islam, peace and love. Islam. Islam. All right. I'm going to go ahead and bring in area code 347. With the exchange 443, area code 347, exchange, exchanges 443, Islam. Islam. Islam, are you, can you hear me all right? Islam, yeah. Islam, yeah. Jeez, I'm so sorry, my, um, my connection is kind of bad, but this is Sharice L. calling uh, out of Northwestern Maxim. Uh, Brother Taj, my question is, um, uh, well, really, it's more so I'm, I'm a request uh, for you to explain uh, church and state, because I understand how interwoven it really is. But, yes, you know, yes. how the masses, they don't get that. There is this separation, yes, yes. this illusionary separation of the two, and I would really appreciate it if you can yes, uh, go yes. in depth with that for one specific more that I know is listening. So please, um, if you if you can. Yes, this and is why to turn the volume it, down it, a little bit recently. The operative politics today. Um. The um, Inquisition operations uh, at Northwest Mexico, Northwest Africa, and also you're dealing with the Berlin Conference where under the guise of the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire, which is actually uh, tail end of the fall, etc., you will see um, the uh, bonding or the, uh, what is known as the secret treaty of Verona being enforced, and this is demonstrated uh, here in North America, where they moved the capital from Philadelphia, from Philadelphia, the Shakamatsum territory, to Washington D.C., uh, creating a, 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 a military operations under the guise of government. This is another shell United States, not the original, a shell United States. Etc. for the purpose of continuing the Inquisition operations. And it will be symbolized by uh, a shield that was used also by uh, George Washington. And you will see three stars and two bars, three red stars and, three, and, and, and two bars beneath it. And the first star represents the Inquisition operations uh, upon the world by the Vatican of Rome, i.e., the first star is the Vatican. 
then you will see the second star, which represents the District of London, the Lords of London, in their agreement with the uh, bishopics of Rome to create what is called color of law operations and fiat, fiat uh, instruments uh, to uh, replace the gold and the silver that they're stealing from the rest of the world, which would be called fiat by order of the popes of Rome. And then you would have their war machine operations or psychological warfare, biological warfare, and military operations. That's where you get military, uh, 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 mercenary, military, uh, uh, um, pardon me, um, uh, from, from those uh, operations. And so uh, you got missionaries, pardon me, mercenaries, uh, military. So this is where they send in the church, et cetera, to uh, give people the idol god systems uh, of the absent of the anthropomorphic truth of the history, which we just mentioned earlier, uh, so that they can take all functions of powers in the universe only by personality. Therefore, they would disempower the people. And this is where you get this, where you get the operational idol god worship that people talk about but, but don't know the scientific fact of what it is. That's what the idol god worship is, is the personification of the powers without explanation that creates the idol god worship. And Rome has mastered that. And then so the um, bishop, the lords of London, stealing the gold and creating what is called color of office, color of, uh, color of um, law, and um, color of... Um, authority, et cetera, to enforce it. And this is where you get the vicar principles, where the Pope takes the place of the pharaohs of Egypt, et cetera. And so the Pope is actually a substitute for the activation of the pineal gland that's represented in the Kabbalistic nature of Islam, i.e. the activation of, of Horus, which is symbolized as the pine cone, et cetera. The truth of the glandular and the spiritual development of the human, et cetera, uh, and so they convert, they hide that um, history under the anthropomorphic side without telling the truth, um, and then that's enforced uh, through the color of operations, the controlling of the printing, etc. That's why you see a lot of the Bibles and Korans, etc., that the people get from the masses are printed in London or controlled from London, including the banking, etc., stuff like that. And then you have the... Um, uh, the district of, of the enforcement operations set forth in what they call District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. And all of those are sovereign city-states, and that comprises the trinity operations of imposition upon the world, etc. Uh, Vatican, London, Washington, D.C. The triplicity of the operations of the Spanish Inquisition on the civilized world starting from the heartland of the Moroccan Empire, i.e. Morocco, northwest of Mexico. And so even with the operations of controlling the compromised ones amongst ourselves that, that have adopted the idol god systems of Rome that Noble Ali talks about, this is where you get your 501c3 kickback agreement um, for those who would help maintain this misinformation and the hiding of the anthropomorphic truth of religion, etc., uh, that causes the dogmatic divisions amongst people, which they call militarily schisms, and that's a fact. And so the 
the uh, state of mind of the people, not just the state of operations in reference to nation. So when you look in law, the state also not only represents nation, it also condition or the state of mind of the people. And so it was regulated uh, strongly at North America, what is what are called the 501c3 Skull and Bones Agreement. This was set up by Lyndon Baines Johnson after they, after they assassinated uh, John F. Kennedy for trying to bring the gold, uh, the power of the original constitution set up by the Muslims and the Christians to correct the operations here in North America, which is Article 1, Section 10 of the original organic constitution for the United States outside of the shell corporate entity that was registered in France that's in operation now and then registered in Puerto Rico that's also in operations now, these shell corporate United States operations to enforce the, the uh, Inquisition operations. That is the real binding or the real truth of the unity of one of church and state, etc., distinguished from the misinformation as given to the public. Yield the floor. Islam. And before um, another point of research, I'll give whoever it is that you're pointing to, is for them to, and whoever else is uh, ever listening, study the setup and the uh, arrangement of power uh, coming down from the Holy Saint and the, uh, the Vatican. And each one of your areas, based on that uh, secret treaty of Verona, in each one of your areas you're going to have what is called a province. And it's going to, those provinces are spread out based on uh, the colonial tactics um, that are authorized by the Holy Saint or the Papa or the Papacy uh, and the one who holds that seat, the Pope. So in in the San Francisco territory, you're going to have what's called an archbishop. The archbishop is going to be one who oversees this particular province. And if I remember correctly, I think you have 243 um, archbishops and archdioceses spread out um, throughout the uh, corporate state right now. What those archdioceses or the archbishop does is that he is the uh, centralized power of the Holy Spirit in that particular area. So most of your uh, things in dealing with government, he's going to have a hand in in that particular province. To have a province, in order to have a province itself, you must have authority. And so the provinces are all spread out based on the rulership of the Holy Spirit. And so that's just a side note to study how that grid is laid out. Because, again, if I remember correctly, the number is 243 or something like that that they have spread out throughout these different corporations, yes. i.e., your, your different states. And when you're speaking about who's actually, actually in power in these provinces, you're going to be looking at that archbishop. And within the, within him being in power, he is a direct reporter for his province to the Pope. And under him, you're going to have the bishop. And under the bishop, you're going to have the deacon. And under the deacon, you're going to have all different types of, you know, little bitty churches. And most of your churches, especially your mega churches, are going to have a charter coming from that particular archbishop within, you know, who resides in that archdiocese. 
and in most cases are also going to be paying some sort of tax for operations. Now, this is a way also for the Holy State to uh, have a hand in what's being administered in the people to the people. Again, going back to Article 3 of the Treaty of uh, Verona, understanding that religion has a most ultimate purpose of keeping loyalty to your prince. And so by controlling the information coming, again, from the archbishop who resides with, who, who uh, is over the archdiocese, they be, be, uh, determine what information is being dispensed that helps the people in control. And so when you're looking at you, whether you're talking about your so-called police commission, your mayors, your governors, all of those individuals are having an interaction with that archbishop. So when the Moors, when we as Moors are speaking about coming into any type of power or speaking about who we should be dealing with, we have to know actually how this game is being played because the game that we are, we think is being played, where we think that these mayors and all these individuals actually have a whole bunch of power, your archbishop is who you need to be looking at. And I, uh, Islam, did that answer your question, Sister Risa? Did you have anything else you, you want to add in there? Congressional Records of American Diplomatic Code of 1778 in 1884 in harmony with this uh, um, Berlin Conference, and you can read Article 3, which is really the oath that all the clergy really have to the Pope, and you know and we know that across this land that the tradition has been publicly given to the people that the, the reverends and the priesters and the pastors are delivering and submitting the people to Jesus, and there's, you know, collecting souls for God, etc. Well, here's their real secret oath, and this is, again, why you see a lot of them so-called uh, uh, reverends get upset when they, when they hear uh, the, uh, even the, the uh, phrase that has been suppressed, i.e., more science because they know it exposes them. And this includes even a lot of people in the movement who claim to be sheiks and grand sheiks, etc. others who um, get sensitive when people, Moors, rise to the degree of great seal and to the higher degrees of, of real, real research and scholarship and it exposes that many of them are suppressing this knowledge. And, of course, well, we don't have to tell you what that actually means. It becomes obvious. Mm -hmm. So let's go. American Diplomatic Code, 1778, this, is, this can be found by anybody in the uh, congressional records. So when people try to act like they don't know about this, you already know that they're lying. That's why we command all people that deal with us to deal with scholarship and not emotionalism. Article 3 of the Secret Treaty of Verona, American Diplomatic Code. Article 3, convinced that the principles of religion contribute most powerfully to keep nations in the state of passive obedience which they owe to their princes. The high contracting parties declare to be their intention to sustain in their respective states those measures which the clergy may adopt with the aim of ameliorating their own interests. 
intimately connected with the preservation of the authority of the princes and the contracting parties join in offering their thanks to the Pope for what he has already done for them and solicit his constant cooperation in their views of submitting the nations. Keep in mind that the bishopric members of the Vatican are all declared princes. And there you go. That's congressional records. So that's obviously church and state, isn't it? As one, isn't it? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much, Taj. I appreciate your explanation and all that you yes. do for uplifting yes. fallen humanity. You and Ramiel. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. All right. We have another uh, caller, area code 253, exchange 359. The area code is 253 with the exchange 359, Islam. Islam, family. This is Islam. Simeon. Islam, family. Uh, this is Simeon Ishmael Bay calling out of uh, Washington Territory Republic. I want to give a, um, extend the high honors to, um, praises due to Allah, high honors to Prophet Noble Ali and to the Grand Sheikhs. Uh, Taj Tariq Bay and uh, Ramiel um, Islam And uh, Ramiel Brother um, You had an awesome breakdown Of the Morris Times Temple And how the prophet put it together And where where, uh, we derive our Autonomy done um, from I thought that was an awesome breakdown And it was It made a lot of sense uh, The way that you broke that down And I really appreciate that because it put it together in my mind how the prophet made um, this whole organization uh, manifest um, this free, our freedom. And um, I, I had a question, although Grand Sheik Grand Talks Tariq Bay, man, he just laid it out, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, I, I understood there's a, a distinction between Islam, the old-time religion, and what we know today is Islam. Um, where did the modern-day Islam concept derive its influence from, and was it compromised in any way or influenced by the Catholic Church or Rome? Because it, yes. it, does, it doesn't seem as universal coming from the modern-day um, perception. It seemingly more or less is dogmatic in the way that the faith is applied. But I noticed that the Quran may be used in Masonic circles so the science may still exist, but hidden in a subtle way, going over the heads yeah. of the common people. And yeah. um, what was I going to say? I was going to say, what is a good book to start with if you were to reference a book? And then I have just one quick right. question after that. Islam. Let me, let me give you a, a good basic book that would help called The Kybalion. Start with a K. Okay. And all scholars have that, and particularly all priests mm-hmm. have that, all adepts, all mm-hmm. rabbis, all master masons, etc. Keep in mind, all of these people with all these titles are all adepts, and all of them are Gnostics, even though they may have separated political agendas. Keep in mind, fundamental truths are one. No different than an engineer from Toyota would use the same math that an engineer from General Motors would. Get the point? Yes. In other words, the math don't change according to interpretation, and two and two doesn't all of, all of a sudden become three and a half according to interpretation. 
And the same thing with Islam. Islam deals with science, geometry, trigonometry, calculus, astrology, cosmology. All ancient mosques were actually universities. Now, you, mm-hmm. in the modern world, pretty much uh, places where right. they uh, just make salat or prayer, which is not bad, etc., but it's, it's a misrepresentation. And this is back to what we call the anthropomorphic history of Islam, religion on the planet. See, this is what must be understood. Let's make this very clear. What is the distinction between, i.e., money and fiat? What is the distinction between jurisprudence and color of law? What is the distinction between religion and dogmata? Dogmata is the absence of the true origins of religion in its cosmological nature, dealing with the forces and powers of the universe, the salts of the earth, the elements of the earth, the operations of the womb of woman, which is the stargate, her uses of the energies, the reflections and the effect that the moon and Venus have on the womb of the living woman, i.e., the uh, energies, the salts, phosphates, etc., are uh, in the foods, her thoughts, etc., in the producing her offspring, reflections, etc., and the powers of the plant planets in their relationship to the earth, and the transit of the sun, and the uh, equinoxes, etc., comprises religion. Okay. It is put, put in what you call anthropomorphic form for children's study, etc., also in the nature of our reflective construction or the womb making us or, or Solomon's temple from the energies of the universe. And so the anthropomorphic um, practices of the ancient world was to give the forces and the powers personalities and forms of human and also the forms of animals in your constellations. And this was, which is called anthropomorphic operations, etc. And that is where even you'll see it today in cartoons where you'll see animals talking with the eyes of children and stuff like that uh, to show the different characteristics of animals. Uh, that's, that's, that would be the same principle that is used now. With the priesthood for control purposes, what they did was suppress the Gnostic sciences and philosophies and the energies of cosmology. This is where you get all the uh, Nicene Council, and everybody look this up, Council of Nicene 325, and this is where you get them arguing the keeping of Easter, and that's why that's emphasized, because they were making the agreement to hide the anthropomorphic truth uh, and how it was properly uh, used at, and distinguished from the fact that um, that they have not been actually teaching the people the science, which is religion. And you'll hear a phrase like this, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted as mm-hmm. a child, I did things that children do. But when I became a man, I put away my childish things. That is a demonstration come from the Kabbalistic philosophies that demonstrates the, uh, the knowledge of the anthropomorphic uh, origin of the personalities applied to forces and powers. And when you become a man, you were supposed to be taken to the science. 
etc. And this is where the priesthood agreed not to expose. And this is where you get dogmata and the idol god worship. And of course, the sectal, the sectal or demon, demons de- are, are dividing amongst the people. And so the demonation is called denomination. Listen to mm. the word. Take the words and change it around. Demonation, denomination. Just change the N O M from the M O N. Reverse so, the N and M, and you, you instead of the demonize, demonizing of the nations, you got denominations. That's the sectalism which was rejected in Islam and the Quran. You see the point? And so, therefore, the science is not taught. Another example of that would be circumambulation. Circumambulation is when Muslims ritually or give honor to the seven ruling lords of the seven ruling planets in the zodiac law of the of the world, culture of the world, where we circumambulate the Kaaba cube, which means cube, seven times counterclockwise in honor to the seven lords representing the seven ruling planets, etc. Um, now, in the uh, in the Septuaginta or uh, Bible, you will see. Uh, like a phrase in the book of revealing or revelation where it says, I heard, a vo- I heard one speak with the voice of many waters, and he was standing among seven golden candlesticks. Now that's where the one Yahshua, who they re- rewrite as Jesus, meaning the sun, is standing among seven golden candlesticks. That means seven planets. So there's the sun and the seven ruling planets of the seven major constellations, although you have 12 and this is where you have the seven golden candlesticks. So the circumambulation ritual, which means the arithmetic or the mathematical rituals um, of, of circulating the orbital planes of the planets around Kaaba, etc., and the seven golden candlesticks reference essentially the very same thing. And yet the masses themselves are divided against each other, cutting each other's throat and sticking each other with toothpicks, trying to prove who got the most powerful God, and neither one of them are taught by the priesthood uh, of the constellation energies of the original uh, uh, cosmological nature of religion and are more subject to the uh, anthropomorphic concepts of the personalities, and now they're fighting each other for their so-called lords, and the ones that are really ruling are the lords of London through the secret treaty of Verona. And so when they speak to the lords, they're actually speaking to the lords of London. Now you see where the 10% of Roman tax tithe comes in? Islam. So in other words, they're keeping us in a faith degree. In, 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 they're uh, keeping them in, in the child state of the anthropomorphic the instruction. So, okay, Islam. Without, ex- then, without explanation. That's the point. It's not so much that is, that is wrong as it is, as it is not explained, and therefore it stunts their development. And it also it, denies them the power to use the energies because they're not aware of them. Belief, belief has its purpose, but they just keep us stuck there so they can control the masses. Right. Yeah, and that's okay. where their power is. Now that's why all of these uh, preachers, reverends, even these called, so-called Yiddish, right, they got the masses thinking religion is belief systems, i.e. the secularism, yet all of them in their secret ret- rituals Wear Moorish fez, don't they? And dress it in jewels, don't they? And then yeah, turn around and act like they don't know who the Moors are. Mm-hmm. And then my last, my last question, just the East Indian Company, can you break that down and how it applied to the slave ports, how it transferred over to the slave ports? 
to the, to the playing courts? Uh, the, the slave court, uh, the, the plantations. Uh, oh, in America, the, the East Indian what? Company. Because I heard you break that down before. Yes, that that's the agreement. They see this is what they did. Let's 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 make this very clear. Now mm-hmm. remember when Obama, Barack H. Obama went to Hikupta and exposed that the American Constitution comes from Muslim law. Muslim law, yes. Yes. Now, for all of the people that are listening to Ramail's show today, make sure that when you get off, or you can even do it while we're talking, punch up on your computer, Barack Obama and the Moorish flag, and the picture will come up, make it full screen. So while I'm talking to you, you'll get an idea that you're being told on multiple levels. Now, he said... um, the American Constitution comes from Muslim law. Now, keep in mind, Barack Obama is the foreign dignitary acting as president of the foreign corporate entity registered in France, in Guam, and Puerto Rico as the United States Corporation Company, which is not the country, but is the corporate entity that is administrating the, the uh, World Global Trust as contractors on the organic Morocco under the designation of the United States Republic at North America, governed by the organic ordinance of 1787 and uh, Treaty of Peace and Friendship, 1786, and the Constitution for the United States, 1787, adopted 1788, affirmed 1789, etc., so that is the supreme law of the land. This is why you'll see Obama, uh, uh, Michelle, with um, a red dress on, symbolic, and then you'll see the Moorish flag, the guard standing, do guard with the Moorish flag, which is the true al Moroccan flag, clear as day. Then he came back, they came back, signed the rights of indigenous people. Meanwhile, uh, Michelle went to the Alhambra, that is the palace of the Emirates, of Granada that we were just talking about earlier, etc. And so you're dealing with the implication of the Romanus Pontifex of 1492, i.e., and a reinforcement of the Unum Sanctum policy where the descendants of the Moors were declared dead at sea. And this is where you get even the influence of the Sister QV Act of 1666, which is adopted by the priesthood, Etc. to create the 14th Amendment that Noble Jali told you is not necessary for the salvation of my people and citizens, and he injected that in the divine warning by the prophet for the nations so that you would have a reference point of research. That's, again, proof of church and state connection. That is also proof of the overthrow of the Moorish Empire. So now what occurred was, keep in mind, in 17... Uh, 54, Benjamin Franklin set up a United States corporation in France to do business for the organic United States Republic at North America. And it was this platform, political platform, that Lincoln actually ran on because by Muslim law or fatwa, keep in mind that a member of the barristers of England being deputy knights for the Popes of Rome under the Inquisition operations were disallowed of holding any office at the United States at North America, i.e. Morocco, because this was an agreement between the Muslims and the Constantinians or Christians 
to stop the hundreds of years wars that have been continuing between the Muslims and Christians. That's what the United States Republic at North America actually is, etc. And this is where the treaty and the Constitution comes in. Now, with the undermining of that, keep in mind, Lincoln could not run for president, etc., because he was a member of the Barristers Association. So what they did, they used the platform of that corporation that was a service corporation, a commercial service corporation set up by Benjamin Franklin, who was a minister plenipotentiary under the protections of Sidi Muhammad with the construction of the Treaty of Peace and Friendship. He was a minister of most potent powers. It was uh, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Barclay as business agent, etc. All right, and keep in mind, later, George Washington was appointed to the office that was already prepared for Benjamin Franklin. George Washington was not elected. He was appointed, etc., and he was the ninth president, not the first. This is why this information is hidden. So keep in mind, uh, um, Lincoln could not run for president, so they ran him for president under that corporate entity that sounded like the United States but was in fact not, was actually a service corporation to deal with the 19 enumerated powers of contract. Now, so when he ran for president, he recognized later that they were actually using him to help undermine the republic. And he was trying to restore the republic. Plus, he did a couple of law mm -hmm. cases which can be researched to make the distinction mm -hmm. between Negroes or blacks and Moors, being the same bloodline but being different statuses, to a, a couple of cases which anybody can research. And, of course, that didn't help much because the Europeans were stealing the birthright, etc. He tried to correct that and, and, and make the operations go back to the organic constitution that comes from Muslim law. So, and this... The, that coupled with him also winning the case against uh, Opus Dei operations uh, of the Vatican uh, uh, with one of their outcast members named Charles uh, Shinoke. Uh, Shino, uh, Shinoke. Now, y'all can do the research on that. So uh, that sealed his fate, and that's why they killed Lincoln. Now, keep in mind, but what Lincoln did... Uh, in the process of trying to preserve the republic, he bankrupted that corporate entity, com commercial entity that was in France operating as the United States, but actually acting as a cover. And so he bankrupted that, that, that United States corporation company. What they did, they killed Lincoln, and then they created another United States corporation company. And these are the companies that you see in the uh, Philippines and Guam, etc., Etc. That's another United States. It's a shell corporation to to start creating the uh, illusion of the legitimate government. And keep in mind, uh, the Congress adjourned Sina Dia May the eighth of eighteen sixty one, and that was actually a coup d'état before the murder of Lincoln. And keep in mind, they were supposed to, the contracting company they were supposed to protect the interest of the heirs of the world's largest estate, i.e., the Almoravians or the Moors at North America, and this, is, this has much to do with the Ordinance of 1787 determining the operations of government, the style of operations of government at North America, etc., making the distinction. This is where you get the operations or the designation in Section 2 of Article 3 of the Constitution for the United States, also with their limitations of power in the Supremacy Clause of Article 6, of the American Constitution, etc., whereas all treaties made which shall be made in pursuance thereof shall be the supreme law of the land. And this is why you'll see people that don't want this information out 
do not uh, teach treaty law and the Constitution as one document when actually they are, etc. Now, keep mm-hmm. in mind, so they, they, um, when they issued the Emancipation Proclamation, they modified it three times because they were, they were going to have to deal with the 3630 parallel and resettle us between the Allegheny and the Rocky Mountains. And this is where you get the information loosely spoken of of the 40 acres and the mule, which were never fulfilled. They closed the Freedman's Bureau within three years, and therefore the people were not taught the truth about their name, their nationality, which was supposed to be done, and then mm-hmm. being resettled on the land. And then they created the artificial dead or the dead person of the corporations for that secret corporation that went bankrupt, that Lincoln had bankrupted, and they created another corporation. Then what they did, they created bonds against the descendants of the Moors under the designation African Americans to back all of the debt of the bankruptcy of that bankrupt entity registered in France that Lincoln had bankrupted, etc. And this is where you get the, the Daughters of American Revolution setting up the uh, marriage certificates, etc., creating bonds, and the Pope's claiming the uh, uh, the eggs and the wounds of all the Asiatic women, etc. They were slaves, and this was also later. This is later connected to that same thing with uh, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did in uh, 33 when that bank, when that United States went bankrupt, and they created another United States. This is when they, when they did the birth certificates as bank bonds to satisfy the debt of that other United States that went bankrupt, etc. And so the masses don't even know about these three different United States pretending to be the government, etc. And that's the overthrow, etc. And the overthrow, and the overthrow, and that's what's operating right now. And all of those bankrupt entities is what they're calling the transfer of the debt to the heirs of the estate, and this is what they're loosely referring to as the national debt when it's actually the private corporation's debt that has been pretending to be the nation state. Now you see why Obama's showing the flag of the true American state. Okay. That, that all made sense. But it was prior to it being called the United States Corporate Company, it was the East Indian Company, one in the same zone, oh, right? Yes, but, they, yes, but those, no, those are different corporate entities mm-hmm. that were doing right. business for organic United States, and they were sanctioned under the treaties and the Constitution under what you call an equity contract to do limited business on the land. See, that's what the point is, and what you have is an overthrow and a takeover. Okay. This is why you. This is why it's for people to need to understand the Wigamore operations uh, and the development of the Republican Party, and need to understand about the Kansas-Nebraska Act, the split of the Wigamore Party. This is where the Europeans set up another system of substitute. You know, they put on wigs to act like Moors, except you see, I understand mm-hmm. what that is. And this okay. is even with the celebration of the so-called Mummers Parade at Philadelphia, is, which is a celebration of that. And a lot of people need to cut, tie all these things together. And even the city hall where one of the major battles take place uh, was actually architecturally designed like a mosque. And most people looking at it don't even know that they're recognizing that. Thank you very much. Chief. And Islam, Thank, I'll say before. Thank you, Peace, Islam. Islam. And before, for all those who want to continue to research on what the brother's talking about, before the East Indian Company, uh, East Indy Company, you also had the, I think it's the uh, London Company. Um, yes. Which I think was, was the first one. Uh-huh. And then you okay. also had, I think the East Indy Company uh, actually helped also becomes part of the foundation of, I think, Massachusetts. 
Um, and one other. Yeah, um, Massachusetts. One other and they won't say. That's why they won't say. That's why they won't say. So people don't make connection. They be just saying mm-hmm. Massachusetts, but they don't say mm-hmm. Massachusetts, which is mm-hmm. really the rich designation. Mm-hmm. And, before, yeah, and so before any of these places were states, you know, for those who who were listening, before they were considered states, okay, they were corporations in in name. And so that's why you should tie it all together when we're telling you that the state is a corporation. That corporation is not new. This is not new. This is how the whole thing was set up in the first place. And in order to uh, disconnect you from the history, they no longer use the original uh, organic names that were tied to them in the first place. That's also really why certain places are commonwealth, certain places are republics. All those different things are tied together. So you must study it. You must study all of it um, from its inception to really get it. That whole idea of what it's about. Because, see, I, from my research or from my reading, the Christian Black Code, it had to do with the East Indian Company, right? Yeah. And then from my idea, they transferred the slave ports of the slave uh, land into, into uh, state corporations. Yes, that's the conversion that you'll see popularly talked about amongst European scholars where George Washington converted the estates into the states. States. Islam. Islam. Thank you very much, family. And I I appreciate it, Hassan Bey. Thank you very much for getting me on the call. Peace to all the Moors online. Islam. 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 And we've got now. Before I take this um, uh, last caller, we're probably going to run about five minutes over. So if you are online right now, you need to come off online, or you can leave it on. But you need, if you want to hear the probably the last five or ten minutes of the show, you need to dial in at three four seven three two six ninety one thirty nine. Because in, in exactly two minutes and twenty seconds, it's going to cut you off online. Three four seven three two six ninety one thirty nine, and I'm going to get this last caller at area code three one four, with the exchange four five six, area code three one four exchange four five six. Islam. Islam, brother. Um, I'm Divine Robinson L. Coming from um, Northwest Mexico. Um, just want to Islam. say I'm enjoying the show. Um, you know, just. Man, um, it's just, so much has been said. Um, I don't even really know where to start. Um, I guess one of one of my questions is like with everything that we have been seeing um, in the media in regards to how they're trying to um, basically make people afraid of declaring and proclaiming their nationality by thinking, you know, if you, you know, basically enforce what the law is, that something is going to happen to you. I guess my question yeah, they're going to injure you. Yeah, that's inquisition right. operations. Right, you know, um, I, I just I just find it sad because you have so many dirty moors out here who will tell us that we're not supposed to enforce constitution, that we need driver's licenses, and we're supposed to be paying taxes to one corporation. And it's just like when you really study, it's like why would you be misleading these people by telling them these false things? Like because it's yeah, so can much I, misinformation. Can I give you this as a reference? Can I get this as yes. a reference? Go yes. ahead, uh, type, and this is for every, all the listeners. Type in FBI infiltration and investigation into the Moorish Science Temple of America, 
and mm-hmm. also uh, research um, American history of American religion. And you'll see in the, in the redacted investigation information that's been released on the Information Act, you'll recognize that the temples have been infiltrated. And you'll see the COINTELPRO mm-hmm. operation. Even with the redactions, you'll answer your own questions. Islam, I appreciate that. Thank you for that, uh, Brother Tariq Bay. And I just appreciate all the work that you have been doing and you continue to do. And just know that your work is not going unnoticed. And, you know, you have young Moors, you know, like myself, um, and as well as other Moors like Brother Amazite, you know, Brother Hassan Gaziel Bay and other Moors who, you know, study the work that you have laid down for us. And, you know, we're just trying to continue following the prophet's work and uplifting for all of humanity. And with that being said, yes. I yield the floor. Yes. Thank you, good brother. Peace. And another note on that. Remember that the same thing <clears throat> was going on at, during the time of the prophet. So... Wherever there's, and this is what I tell everyone, wherever there's light, there's also darkness. And that's that's, um, so that you can know the difference between the two. So never, we should not be surprised that at a time when we have so many Moors who are really gravitating to the information, we should already know, if we understand polarity, that at that exact same time, you're going to have those who come to uh, put the light out. It's, it's a natural part of the process, you know, to allow you to sift through who is actually pure at heart and who's not. Um, so our focus has to be on really getting to those who really have uh, the purity within their heart because those are the ones who are going to, going to stay. The other ones who are listening to the whole sovereign citizen movement who refuse to come out of that, they're right where they're supposed to be to keep them away from what we're actually doing. We just have to be more assertive in going after the ones who really want to hear uh, the truth. Islam, I want to thank you again um, for coming on. Did you have any uh, any parting words before we uh, uh, leave the show? Yes. Keep in mind, this is why Noble Drali, specifically in the Divine Warning by the prophet for the nation says, help me in my great missionary work to bring my people back into the constitutional fold of government enforcing our constitution for the United States of America. He's making the tie back because he know that you would go back to this information because most people would be telling you that constitution ain't got nothing to do with us and that treaty ain't got nothing to do with us. But once you do the research, it takes you back further, and you start finding out the fraud, and you start finding out how you lost your birthright. Islam, in peace. Islam. Again, you know, if you need more information about the study classes uh, that are going on in the Sacramento Territory uh, or in the Oakland and San Francisco Territory, simply email me at northgatebay at gmail.com, northgatebay at gmail.com. Make sure you get the information um, or go to Facebook and just like Conscious Vibe uh, Radio. Of course, Conscious Fell with the K. And uh, we'll be back at you next Monday. Uh, uh, actually, Todd, there's one more caller. Do you have time? If not, we'll, yes, we'll get out of here. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. We have uh, 
the 13th hour caller. We're going to go with 540 720 540 area code 720. Hey, good afternoon, Taj and Ramon. How you doing? Good afternoon. Good. Well. Hey, Taj, I was on the uh, Department of um, Justice website, and I found the uh, congressional records where Senator McCarran and some other senators basically admitted that the administrative branch of government is unconstitutional and that it is the fourth branch of government. Are you aware of that that uh, oh, information? Yes. Yes. And, yes, and they didn't tell you everything. What they should have told you, even they are what? Representing the fraud. Yep. They, they put because it in writing. No, right? Keep this, keep this in mind. They, they knowingly yeah, created the fourth branch of government. Yeah, but let's let's look at this. Let's look at this. This is better better to understand that what they were doing was protecting their argument at the beginning. But keep this in mind: mm-hmm. since 1861, there's been no lawful government. There's been no lawful president since Lincoln. He was the last lawful president, but at the same time, he was the first president to to wear two hats, even though it was set up not with his intentional outcome. Man, man, man. All right, that was the only thing. I just wanted to make, you know, see if you had those documents, because I do have them, and I could get them to you yeah. if you didn't have that's, them. But it sounds like you already part. have them, so no big deal. Yeah, that's a part of every, see, every Moorish American, like when the prophet said, study, and study well. When you would ask me what to study next, I would reply, study yourselves. And he said, what, go back to that state of mind of your ancient mothers and fathers. Not only that, even in the Bible, for those who are stuck in the Bible concepts without an understanding, when the people ask the creative force as God says, well, how are we to know God? And the reply was this, go first back into the hole from which you were dug. Okay, that's all I had. Islam. 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 All right, we're going to go ahead and Zamoose, and uh, we'll be back on uh, next Monday at the uh, same time. Again, we uh, really appreciate you, Amir. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to come on. Um, it's always an honor. Yeah, I appreciate you okay. taking the time out of your schedule to keep the work going on on the West Coast. From, so from the East Coast to the West Coast, to the shores above and the shores below, keep the great work of this great missionary work founded by Noble Drali going for the restore, restoring of the estate and the concepts, proper concepts, to the heirs of the world's largest estate, i.e., the Morris Divine and National Movement in all its aspects. And I appreciate the work that you're doing also. And with that, I yield the floor and say peace to all the Moors across the land. All right, Islam, we'll be back at you next week. Peace and love.